Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. like that, I'd sing all the time. That is beautiful. But aren't you glad for the truth of it? When you speak God's word, his light, his life, his power, it comes rushing in. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this service. Thank you for this people. Thank you for this appointment with heaven. Holy Spirit, minister to us. We have open hearts. We want to hear from heaven. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for doing the supernatural that only you can do, but you desire to do it. Where you change us, you heal us, you impart wisdom to us. You cause us to leave this place better than we arrived, bigger on the inside. You help us where we cannot even help ourselves. We thank you for it. Jesus, you made it possible, so we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. you I want to take y'all home with me. Uh, 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 just one first thing first. How, how many of you, uh, because this morning I, I was able to get through... Uh, on uh, an audio FaceTime call with my son, Evan. How many of you know Evan, my son, Evan, Lily's husband? Well, he said to tell you hello. <laughs> and and, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm so, you know, when, when, when uh, Evan and uh, Liliana uh, got married, uh, uh, I didn't know if they were going to be choose to live here or if they would live near us or some other part of the world. I just didn't know. So I, I braced myself and then, and then they chose for the time being to live near us in South Carolina. And, uh, uh, and so I, I just want to publicly say thank you to Pastor Tony and Patsy uh, because, uh, you know, I have two sons and, and now, now I have a daughter in uh, their daughter, and uh, it's so fun to get to spoil a girl. It's just <laughs> delightful. And uh, so uh, it's just uh, a, a wonderful thing. Uh, you, you know, and, and uh, Lily is uh, such a, uh, you know, you know, a wonderful, special person. And so when she and Evan were first married, she was trying to sort out what she was going to call me. And, uh, and of course, she, she uh, calls her father, Poppy, and she said, and so she it was such an honor, such a sweet thing. She came to me. She said, would it be all right if I called you dad? And I said, sure. So she tried it a few times, and it was just awkward. <laughs> and so we finally settled on this. She calls me Wyatt. <laughs> and I'm happy to be the Wyatt in her life. But uh, as uh, uh, Patsy said, you know, uh, uh, she and I uh, are, are uh, uh, matter of fact, my wife Debbie knew Patsy before my wife knew me, and then Patsy and I have uh, known each other and, and uh, friends, and then as uh, 
Uh, and and I, yes, I, I, likewise, I view her as my much, much younger sister. <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, and then, and then, when Tony, uh, uh, Pastor Tony, uh, it was a, a few years passed before uh, uh, he, he uh, became part of uh, of our lives, and, and, and just by physically moving where we all were, and uh, we were all working for Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and he's been a dear friend ever since. But uh, uh, it's 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 a long way of saying it's very very special for me. Uh, Patsy and I, you know, who started off as just kids together in ministry and then uh, uh, became like family, uh, and now we actually are related by the marriage of our children, uh, that uh, w- we got to have a part and be the ministers that were used by the Lord to have a part in what God wanted to do, because it's, it's truly historical. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I just, I thank God for it, and uh, it's just uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. How many of you wish all the leaders of every nation on this planet were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and prayed for their nations and the Holy Ghost before they started their day in the office in the mornings? It's wonderful. Just wonderful. Uh, I also asked him if he could come to our country and help. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, 1122. Will you be kind enough to give me the next 30 minutes of your attention? No? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. This morning, uh, I, what, what, what I have to talk to you about uh, is, is I want to talk to you about seed time and harvest, uh, about faith for receiving finances, and... Uh, uh, and, and I want to tell you a, 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 a couple of events early in uh, my own life that just changed my life, okay? And so I, I want to read to you this verse first in uh, uh, 3 John and verse 2, where the Apostle John, this is, he, he writes this uh, after he has already survived uh, attempted execution by uh, one of the cruelest of the Roman uh, emperors uh, where they attempted to execute him by putting him at the end of a wooden pole and dipping him into a vat of oil that has fire burning underneath it, and this huge vat of oil is boiling, boiling oil. So they attempted to deep fry him. And, And when they lowered him into it, secular historians at the time record that when the executioner pulled down on the pole he was attached to at the end, that he came up and they had a huge hook on it because when they executed someone that way, they would leave them down enough that the flesh would, you know, it was very gruesome, would separate from the rest of the body. And when they came up, said he was sitting on the hook (laughs) in defiance of, I'm not going to go. And it scared the Roman emperor. He was present so much that they called off the execution. And he said, just send him where we never see him again. So they sent him to a prison exile, which was the island of Patmos out in the Mediterranean. And he was there for two years. And what's amazing is history records and the gospels record that he had, you talk about devoted ministry of helps. 
he had an assistant with him who said, if you're going, I'm going with you. That man was not sentenced to anything. He just said, if you're going, I'm going with you. And so he went off into exile with him on this island that was just, I mean, it's still there. You can go visit it today, a desolate, desolate place. And, uh, and, and you think, you know, I'm sure the emperor thought, well, we put a stop to this guy. He gets out there and God gives him the book of Revelation. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't keep a Christian down when they follow after God. <laughs> Amen. And then he comes back and he writes the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, all of that is recorded. And the book of Revelation, when the man is in his 90s, he is the only one of the apostles to die of old age. The others, you know, their lives ended violently and, and, uh, uh, and they gave up their lives willingly and were honored to give up their lives in the service of the gospel. And John's the one that said, I'm going to live my life out because I have a purpose for this. And he, he uh, you know, most Bible historians believe he was around the age of 100 when he finally went to heaven. And so here, you know, with all of this background behind him, it says, uh, he says, I have no, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 3 John verse 2, beloved, I pray, reading out of the Amplified Version, says, I pray that you may prosper in every way. The King James says, I wish above all things that you may prosper, or that thou, <laughs> King James to me, is interesting, you know, language from that time, English, because it, to me it sounds like cartoons I listened to when I was growing up. You know, you have the disciples going, we got to go thither again, and it sounds like Daffy Duck, you know, or one of the Disney characters. And, and, uh, and so uh, King James says, I pray that you will may prosper, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper in every way, and uh, be in health even as your soul prospers. Uh, Amplify says, beloved, I pray, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. So the word prosper there in the Greek means to have a successful business journey through life. So if you would, would you just say it out loud after me to agree with God? Would you say it out loud? God wants me to have a prosperous life and my body to have a healthy life. And then just very quickly, think for a moment, what is God's logic behind wanting you to have prosperity and have health? Because those are the two things that really you need to get the gospel to the world. I've often had people say to me, well, the gospel is free only for the people who receive it. Someone else had to spend great amounts to get to them. And if you get to them and fall over and die from a high fever, you can't deliver it. And so you need finances and you need health to get the gospel to the world. And, and, and so he says, I pray above all things that you prosper and you have health. Now, uh, I'll tell you this part. Me being here today, or anything I do, uh, I, I am so aware 
and, and, uh, and this truth would apply to each of us, my life is not my own. But in my case, when I was three years of age, I, I uh, uh, encountered a virus that became uh, encephalitis, and, it, and that went to my brain, and the menja area that you know, surrounds your brain sw- became very swollen. I had a fever that went to 109 Fahrenheit, and that's high enough it cooks your brain. And so my body went into a seizure, my parents tell me. My mother immediately took me to our, uh, you know, the children's doctor, who was our family doctor for myself and my younger sister. She took me to the family doctor. He took one look at me, saw what my fever was, and said, you've got to get him to hospital. And, uh, but it, simultaneously with that, God, the great orchestrator and the Holy Spirit, had our pastor drive by, who was a spirit-filled pastor and who uh, uh, was uh, experienced with Jesus being the healer. He happened to drive by, saw my family's car there at the doctor's office, and instead of continuing to drive by, he pulled in. And, and, and out of character, really, he came in to see what was up. And, uh, uh, and my mother invited him back. The doc, he sees that. And he actually held me in his arms. He said my body was in a seizure, stiff like a board. Held me in his arms in the back seat of a car while they drove me to the ho- to hospital uh, and, and praying in other tongues and, and demanding the devil take his hands off of this three-year-old little boy. And we get to the hospital, they diagnose me, they do all the things they do to find out uh, what it is, uh, and then they tell my parents, there are two options for outcomes here. One, your child will die, and, uh, uh, and that'll happen within the next few days. The other option uh, is also uh, not a good one. Uh, because his fever is so high and the nature of this disease, your child will be in a coma and it'll be as if he is asleep and that will never change. And you have people from uh, that time period all the way back to World War I who had encephalitis and went as children, had that high fever, went into a sleep state, never regained consciousness and lived to their 40s and 50s in institutions in the United States. And, and, I, and I know in Europe and probably other parts of the world as well. And so that was it. But prayer had been made. And so three days later, my parents took home a completely healed, healthy three-year-old child. And every time I do anything that I do, uh, especially things that uh, require me to learn things, uh, you know, in, in, uh, on uh, July 11, it'll make 32 years since I first became a pilot. And so now I have commercial ratings and typewriter and business jets and all that kind of stuff. A lot of things. and, and uh, uh, even to this day, 
Uh, I've met so many pilots through the years. I took my first private pilot license, uh, pilot lesson on June the 9th, back in 1986, and uh, completed the written test for it, and took my check ride to get my license on July 11, four weeks and two days. All the pilots I've met since, and I have so many friends that are pilots, uh, the military, uh, uh, fly for airlines, and I ask them, I say, tell me, how long did it take you? So far, I've gone through that process the fastest of anyone I've ever met. I'm sure there's somebody out there, I just haven't met them yet. Well, I know that's not because I'm just the sharpest tool in the shed. Because I should have been about four fries short of a Happy Meal. But God did something in me. And so I get up here to speak to you. I'm, I'm grateful to do this, but I recognize my life doesn't belong to me. And I better follow what my boss says because I owe him everything. The breath I breathe, the ability to think, to be able to walk, to go ahead and function, it's because my God has enabled me. And although it's a bit dramatic in my case, the true is the same for, for all of us. You have what you have because your God has blessed you. And so when it comes to giving to God, now let me, let me just give you some verses and I'll make reference to them. Uh, if the technical folks can help, that's great. If not, I'll just make some references. You ready? Uh, here's reference one, Genesis 1, verse 11 and 12. What's that say? That talks about God establishing a law on this planet that's really, you know, I often refer to it, other ministers do, as the law of Genesis. It's the law of seed time and harvest. That when you plant seeds, it will cause a harvest to come. Uh, that is true you know, we, we know that from if you have a garden, if someone's a farmer, they know that. If you plant tomato seeds, you will always get tomatoes. You will never look out and suddenly have potatoes growing where there should have been tomatoes. If you plant corn seed, you'll always get corn. It also applies, you know, it goes into the, the, the animal kingdom. Dogs will always have puppies. Cats will have kittens. And, and if a young lady uh, or whatever age lady says, I'm expecting, we know that it will not be a kangaroo that pops out one day. It'll be a human, right? Why? Because aren't you glad God created the law of seed time and harvest? Otherwise, farming would be more of a gamble than it is. I mean, you sow a field in one thing, and it's like, whoa, banana trees came up. You know, and uh, we didn't see that coming. But, uh, but everything produces after its own kind. Then when you come over to the book of Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, you have after the flood of Noah, and God restates it to Noah because the human population narrowed down to just eight people. Noah, his wife, his three sons, each of them had one wife, and so the population is down to eight people. And God restates this law. He said, as long as the earth remains, well, we're still here, as long as the earth remains, and one of the things he lists, he said, there will always be seed time and harvest. So say it out loud. This is God's law. Help me out. This is God's law. 
there will always be seed time and harvest. Now, those of you that met my son Evan uh, when he was here, you know, he uh, uh, went to university in the United States, and so he has a, a, a four-year degree in horticulture from a university that's known for horticulture. So he's, you know, and then my father, his grandfather, doesn't have any kind of a, a educational degree, but it's always been his passion, so he's self-taught. So you've got, when they get together, my father's 86 and a half, and he and Evan are like two peas in a pod, and uh, uh, my father, if he had the hair, he would grow it as long as Evan's, and, uh, uh, but they take off, and they start talking of all these different plants, and they'll refer to them in the, what the Latin name is, and this, and that, and the other, and I walk up, and they just look at me like, go away, ignorant man, and uh, <laughs> But I do know this, uh, if you have somebody and it's the time to plant for a garden and they don't plant, but then it comes a time where other people who did plant a garden uh, start reaping the, the benefits of it and all these different things they planted start producing a harvest, the person who didn't plant anything is going to look kind of foolish if they walk out to their big pile of weeds and say, well, I'm going out to pick some stuff. And when God refers to our finances and worshiping Him, He always does it in agricultural terms. So this morning, when, when, when as a church, when we honored God with our tithes and our offerings, God refers to your money as seed. Now, think with me for just a moment. You know, the offering receptacle goes by. I often, when the offerings are received for, in churches, you know, I'll, I, there's been many times I would be sitting on the uh, stage area and looking at people, you know, just kind of scanning the crowd. And you'd see, here comes the receptacle, you know, the, 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 the pan, the bucket, the whatever. And you can see some people, they have their offering or their tithes in their hand. And it's an emotional moment. <laughs> they look down at their offering and they say, uh, good, goodbye. <laughs> it's, it's almost here. I, I, I'm going to miss you. I think of all the things that we, we could have done together. <laughs> I have big plans for me and you. only one person away. Oh, they've all started clapping. Okay. <laughs> Somebody said, well, how should you act? Honor God with your thinking and all. Look at that thing before you put it in and say, hey, the bucket's coming. I'm putting you in in Jesus' name. I'll see you again. You come back and you bring your big friends with you. Because that's what God said would happen. You plant a seed, it comes back multiplied. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, don't be deceived. And it's, it's talking about finances. Don't be mocked. 
whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11, it talks about, you know, how God loves a cheerful giver. But then it says this, when you give, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. That means from external pressure, someone's twisting your arm, or internal pressure, somebody's twisting your heart. It says, but give because it's what you want to do. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, a cheerful giver is one who has found out God told the truth. And that when they give, that's when you read on the rest of the verses there, it says, know this, God is able and he does cause all the seed you sow to be multiplied. But you've got to sow it before it gets multiplied. And it's talking about doing you know, what has already transpired this morning. And by the way, we're not going to receive an offering. Okay. We already did that this morning. That, you know, the church worshiped God with their giving. But, but God multiplies the seed that you, what? Sow. Sow. You know, our plant. Now, uh, uh, good. Let, 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 let me tell you a story. Uh, uh, way back in uh, July 1st, 1982. July 1st, 1982. Ju July 1st is my birthday. Uh, uh, July 1st of 82 was my 25th birthday. My wife and I had been married. We got married February 6th of that year. So we'd been married that many months. And on July 1st, uh, uh, the previous nine months, I had worked for my brother-in-law, who is a missionary evangelist. And then, uh, and prior to that, you know, I'd, I'd worked for Kenneth Hagin, along with Patsy, and, and uh, uh, I think Pastor Tony may have been working there before I left. And, uh, and so, uh, I, uh, uh, but, but the Lord began to deal with my heart to go out into my own ministry. So, I wanted to talk to somebody uh, and get advice. I, I, because of the relationship, I, I went over to uh, uh, Kenneth Hagan Sr., our dad Hagan, we called him. I, I went over to his home and said, can I speak with you? And he said, yeah, come on over. I remember I knocked on the front door and he looked at me when he opened the door. He said, what's the matter? And I, and I actually told him, I said, well, because I had this dilemma. You know, I feel like God wants me to go out into the ministry, into a traveling ministry on my own, but I don't know how to do it. And uh, so he looked, he said, what's the matter? I said, well, I don't want to come cry on your shoulders. I'll never forget. Uh, thank God for older ministers that are kind and will listen. He said, I've got pretty big shoulders. Come on in. <laughs> so we went and we sat down in the living room. He said, what is it? And so I told him, I said, here's my dilemma. Uh, I feel like God's telling me to step out into my own ministry. And he looked at me as though that were no surprise to him. And so then he began to give me advice. Well, if I were your age, you know, I think back to when I was your age, uh, here's, here's the things that I would look to do. And he started telling me, and it was really some different direction than what I had. And so I spoke up and I said, the problem is, I said, I believe the Lord's telling me to be a traveling minister and to go and speak at different churches as a guest. And he stopped. He said, oh, well, if the Lord's telling you to do that, then you'll just have to go do it. And I thought, I'm not making myself clear. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll, get to the point quick. I looked at him and said, well, I said, you have to understand people are not exactly beating a path to my door asking me to come speak. And I thought that'll convey to him the seriousness of this. It did not have that effect. 
He laughed so hard, I was concerned for his health. You know when people laugh and they can't breathe and their face turns different colors and, and, and to jumpstart he starts slapping his leg? I'm sitting, there's just the two of us in the room. Only one of us is laughing. This is my life. He's laughing. And so he finally got his breath set back up and looked at me. He said, I bet they're not, are they? And that made him laugh more. And he just was gone again. So after he finished enjoying himself a second time, he, he looked at me. He said, if that's what the Lord told you to do, then you'll have to go do it. And stood up to tell me, our meeting is finished, and started walking towards the front door. And I got up and just followed him, and, and he just opened the door and patted me on the back and kind of shoved me out. And I, I started to turn around, the door closed, and I heard the lock go. So I went back to the, you know, my wife and I, we had a small, you know, we newly married, we had a small two-bedroom apartment. I went back to our apartment, I walk in, and I go, Debbie, and she goes, what did he say? Because she knew I was going to have this big talk. And uh, he said, we just have to do it. So the next day, I gave a letter of resignation to my brother-in-law. Uh, he didn't really agree with it. And so, you know, that wasn't real support. And, uh, uh, I, you know, it was, he had an opinion, and I had to do what God told me to do. So I, I said, uh, I'll, 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 uh, it was June, June the 1st. I said, I'll, I'll stay here and, and work until July 1st. So July 1st came, or, or the, until the end of June. July 1st came, and we're on our own in the ministry. Me and Debbie, Wyatt Brown Ministries. How, how many partners do you have? I got Debbie, and she had me. Well, what what kind of funding did you have? I got Debbie. <laughs> and so we, we, by the end of July, by the end of July, we started July 1st, by the last week of July, we have gone through our liquid assets, our investments, our CDs, our gold deposits, And, and when you totaled all of our finances, you know, you went through all the different accounts. When you totaled all of it, we had $18. <laughs> and Debbie, that did not even phase Debbie because she had worked, you know, as a, a nanny taking care of her brother's four children who was a missionary evangelist. And so she had been in the backside out in the, you know, nowhere in uh, the remote areas of Mexico when the vehicle they were in broke down and they prayed and God sent folks and just did the miraculous and met their needs. And when she was 15 and traveling with her brother, they were in a church and a man died and she watched her brother go and raise him from the dead after two doctors had declared him dead. And so Debbie was like, wonderful, we work for God now. And I go, yeah, but I don't know if he has our address because we haven't sent out a newsletter. <laughs> and so the last week of July, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The last week of July, Kenneth Hagin had this big, you know, special meeting every year. And so we're going to it only before I listened easy. 
What do you mean you listen? Easy. I'm listening to see if I agree with what's being said. I'm interested in the Greek, the Hebrew, the homebrew, and the Shebrew. Now I'm listening hard. What do you mean listening hard? Because these ministers are teaching on faith. And if this works, we're going to be okay. And if this does not work, we're in serious trouble. I don't want our ministry headquarters to be under a bridge. <laughs> so that last week, I'm listening hard. And uh, uh, towards the middle of the week, someone reached over, the whole auditorium, there was you know, thousands of people, someone reached over and, uh, who knew us and, and, and had a $20 bill in their hand, and, and so they, they, they gave me a $20 bill. I, I looked down, I said, thank you so much, that's so kind of you. And so now 18 plus 20 is 38, so that's $38. We had one place that had invited us to come speak over in August, it was in the bayous of South, South, South Louisiana. I don't know if they show that program on satellite here. Swamp people. <laughs> Anybody seen it here? Okay. I know all those folks. I stayed in their homes. I've, I've, I've shown up at those folks' place to preach down there. They go, oh, Brother White, we're so glad to see you, Brother White. Come on in. We done killed three turtles today. You want some alligator? We got alligator on a soft pecan. We got alligator a fry. We got alligator on a soup. How you want your alligator? <laughs> this evening we're going out and kill something else. What you want for breakfast? <laughs> I love those people, man. All these Cajuns. And so, so, so we, but, we have, but we have one place that it asked us to come down in those, what they call near. And, and the name of the town. No kidding. The name of the town where we were invited to speak was, it was a French name, but you know, I, I, I'm not French, so I say it English style. It was Du Lac. <laughs> du Lac. And I was hoping that was not symbolic of my future ministry. <laughs> Where'd you start? Du Lac. <laughs> and so my wife because the end of July, the 30th, is her birthday. And so my wife said one day, you know, and, and all this is going through my mind, you ever go to sleep at night and, and, and all these voices have a meeting in your head? <laughs> and they wake you up to invite you to the meeting and they're all going, hey, 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 you cannot sleep. You need to think about how bad your future is. You are running out of all money. You have a wife that is looking to you, and you're the husband. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then it, you know, it just turns into a rhythm section. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? Umshalaka, umshalaka, laka. What you going to do? 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 You know, it's like old school MC Hammer, and it's beating in your head. That was torture. And so then my wife, my wife, she asked me, and, and my wife's beautiful. So this beautiful person who has entrusted me 
to be her husband. She looks at me and she says, when we go to Louisiana to preach, do we go through Dallas, Texas? I said, I don't know. She said, well, now that we work for God. You ever sing songs about how, you know, how, when I was a kid growing up, it was, how big is your God? You know, higher than any mountain, lower than any sea. Can't get over him, can't get under him, can't get around him. But can he get you through Dallas? She said, can we go through Dallas or do we go through Dallas? I said, I don't know. Why? why, why? And she said, well, she said, why don't we go early now that we work for God and it'll be my birthday and we can go to Six Flags together. Just you and I. It'll be so romantic. And Six Flags is one of those amusement kind of parks where you just pay one price to get in and then all the rides are free and, and food costs five or six thousand dollars, but all the rides are included. And when she said that, one part of my insides went, Six Flags? We got, we, we, and I thought we had 18, we got 18 dollars? You wanna go to Six Flags? Are you trying to kill me? You wanna go to Six Flags? You know the pressure you're putting on me? You wanna go to Six Flags? And, and I bet you wouldn't be comfortable with me throwing you over the fence and you just believe God for the angels to blind the people so they can't see we like snuck in. And, and besides that, you're probably gonna wanna eat. And, and, and you know, and I married, I married a girl and so, you know, men, if we go somewhere to eat, we don't have to go in no restaurant. We just run something over the side of the road and kill it, get out and skin it with our bare hands, reach over here and rip a tree out of the ground, bust it up, make firewood. We don't even need matches. We reach under the hood of the car, we grab a spark plug wire in one hand, we grab wood in the other hand, and we just hang on till something smokes. Because we're men. But I, I didn't marry a girl like that. And if you did, God help you. But uh, I didn't marry a girl like that. So, but for me to tell her no, what I'm really saying is our God is not big enough to take care of us. And we're just going to barely scrape by in life. So I said, we'll see. Well, we'll see. And then the next day, this is that last week of July, going, you know, so I'm going to these meetings. The next day, Debbie was in the apartment, the apartment by herself. And she had been wanting to make beef soup, beef soup, you know. And, but, but one of the necessary ingredients, you need beef. And uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny, and you're laughing at something that was very, very painful for me. But... <laughs> Uh, she, she was doing some cleaning in the apartment, and so she goes back in, opens the refrigerator in the apartment, you know, and she looks in, and it's just almost empty. And, and so she went back, suddenly it just struck her, and she walked back into the kitchen, and she said, Father, I've been a tither, because she has, she's been a tither since she was a young girl. She got seed planted. And, and I've been a tither since I was just a boy. My parents modeled it for me. And I saw God do supernatural things and bless them. And so I've been a tither since I was a boy. So we got seed planted. 
but I had never like made a withdrawal. And she said, Father, as long as we work for man, that refrigerator and that freezer was always full. She said, now that we work for you, she said, it should be full now. And you said in Mark chapter 11, and she quoted the word back to the Lord, and she said, and then she quoted it to the refrigerator. She said, freezer, I call you full in the name of Jesus. And thank the Lord for it. Now, she didn't tell me that. It was just a private thing between her and the freezer. <laughs> My wife's at home by herself talking to appliances. <laughs> the next day, on Friday, there was this family that we knew that they, they had children our age, you know, adult children, and they were uh, moving to another part of the country. And so they asked me, they saw me, they asked me, they said, hey, by the way, would you mind helping us? They were going to uh, move themselves. Would you mind helping us to load the heavy things into, we've run into this big uh, truck, Lori. Uh, would you help us with that? I said, I'll, I'll be glad to. When are you going to do it? They said, Saturday. I said, well, that's the last day of those meetings. I said, can we do it really early in the morning? Because I want to make sure I get to the, be the last day of those meetings. Because I remember I'm listening hard. And so they said, that's fine. So I go early on Saturday morning. We get all their heavy things loaded into the truck. And I'm hurrying to my car to leave. And they said, hey, wait a minute. Would you mind taking this with you? And I said, sure, what is it? And they have this big box. And they said, this is all the things from our freezer. Now, on top of it were two big things of uh, beef already cut up for making beef stew or soup, you know? And then there was a lot of other good things, you know, beef and chicken and all these different things. So I said, oh, thank you so much. And they said this, they said, we had told our neighbors we would leave it for them. They said, but for some reason, they're not home. Now, this was the end of July in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which if you've ever experienced that, you want to go to heaven because you already know kind of what hell's like. <laughs> I mean, it's hot. And so, uh, so I said, thank you. I put it in the back of the car, drove back to the apartment, ran up the steps with it. I was so focused on getting to those meetings that when I ran up the steps, I opened the front door. It's still early in the morning. Debbie's not up yet. And when you came in, you could go down a hallway to the bedrooms or you could go right into the little kitchen. So I went into the kitchen, opened the uh, refrigerator up. You know, I'm, I'm a six-month-old husband. I want to be a good husband. And so I take everything and put it, just put it all in the freezer. And, and it's so much that I barely can get it in. All but one item wouldn't even fit. It just filled our freezer up and closed it. And then I thought, oh, there's the box. I don't want to leave Debbie a mess. So I took the box, ran downstairs, and went to the, you know, the, the apartment complex's big container for rubbish, threw it away. And then I came back upstairs. And when I came up the steps a second time, it woke Debbie up. When I opened the door, she says, is that you? I said, yeah. And so, but I was so excited to go to those meetings that I forgot to tell her I had filled the freezer. She didn't tell me she talked to it. I didn't tell her I filled it. <laughs> so I, 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 I go back, I, I clean up, you know, and uh, put on some different clothes and I head down to those meetings. But on the way down, I stopped, you know, because we were a second floor apartment, go down the steps, underneath the steps were the postal uh, boxes, you know, for the uh, four apartments. So I stopped and opened the postal box to see if God was home. And do you know what? God was not in my box. The devil had gotten in my box. What did he look like? He was the phone bill. 
Now, you know, that wasn't the devil. I mean, it's not like he'd been sneaking in my house calling expensive calls. But I, I, I took the phone bill out, and then there was a couple of pieces of just nothing mail. And I go and I get in the car. And my heart, it felt like my heart had dropped and sank. I got in the car. And I opened the phone bill. And this seems to be pretty universal, so I think you can relate to it. There's two places you always look first. Number one, how much do they want? Number two, when do they want it? And the phone bill was $52.46. That's not much money unless you have 38. And if you take 52 away from 38, it does not leave you enough to go to Louisiana and teach them how to be more than a conqueror like you are. Or take your wife to an amusement park to celebrate her first birthday being married to the winner you are. So sitting there in the car, this is where, this was the pivotal moment where my life went on the course that it has been on and my life changed. Because I I took the phone bill out And I literally, I did do this. I held it up to the roof of the car so God could read it without his glasses. (laughs) And I told him, I said, I told him, I said, Father, you see how much the phone bill is? I told him how much it was. And then I took out and showed him all of the money we had. (laughs) And I said, and I want you to know that I'm aware We've got seed planted. We've been tithers and givers. And you said, I don't even know, this was not my big idea. You said, you're the God that supplies all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, in the past, here's where I'd made a mistake. I would say something like this. So I don't know why I'm in the mess that I'm in. But this time, I went a different direction. I said, I just want you to know I believe you told the truth, and I agree with you. You don't have to talk God into anything he thought of, but it is necessary to agree with him. If you're a writer-downer, that's something to write down. You don't have to talk God into anything he thought of, but it is necessary to agree with him. And so I said, I want you to know I believe you told the truth. Therefore, you said I could speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. And for me right now, this $52 phone bill, this is a mountain. And so phone bill, I said, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I call you paid. And I told God, I said, Father, we've never been late on bills when we work for people. And now that we're working for you, I wanted to remind him, he's the boss. I'm the employee. Now that we're working for you, I don't know how you're going to pull it off, but I thank you for getting the money in so we can pay this thing off before it's due. And then I backed the car out, started out to get on the freeway and drive to the, the, to the auditorium where these meetings were held. And as I got on the freeway, I said, and Father, I just want to thank you for enough money coming in so that we can go to Louisiana and be a blessing to those people. I want to thank you for enough money coming in so I can take my wife to Six Flags. I want to thank you for enough money coming in we can get our ministry started. I thank you for enough money coming in. We can go all over this country, the United States, and preach to people and teach them how to defeat the devil. And I thank you for enough money 
money coming in. We can go all over the world. And, 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 I just, and as I, the more I said it, the more the presence of God filled the place. And the, the car, you know, because that's what happens when you start to say what God says about you. And then I said, devil, I want you to know what I think. And just started right down at the top and went down the whole thing with him too. You know, people saw me driving that day. I got to that auditorium, you know, and I walk in and uh, uh, went to find a, get the, the, a seat and, uh, and a man that I did not know at the time, we later became very good friends for years, he came up to me, he said, are you Wyatt Brown? I said, yeah. He said, I, I met a man uh, just a, about 30 minutes ago, he's here from Scotland and he asked, uh, uh, he's trying to, to meet you and he asked if you would meet him in a certain place in that auditorium, auditorium complex, if you would meet him after this service. I said, okay, uh, sure. So he walks off, and I thought, Scotland. Who do I know from Scotland? And now, this is embarrassing to say, but it's, it's just the truth, and you might as well know how I am. My next thought was, where is Scotland? And, and I, I learned a valuable lesson. If you're going to have a worldwide ministry, you should probably invest in a map. Uh, so after the service ends, I go to the place, you know, in the, the building, and sure enough, this man walks up. He's in his 50s or so, and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and when he opens his mouth, and he says, are you Wyatt Brown? You know, from his accent, I can tell, you got to be the guy. You know, Scottish accent, and, and, uh, and, he, and so he said, uh, we sit down, and he says, can I speak to you? And for the next 45 minutes, he tells me his life story. I listen. It gets to the end, and he tells me all these different types of work he's had, and he's, he was qualified in a lot of different areas uh, uh, of different types of industry. He gets to the end. He said, my wife and I have been in this country, in the U.S., he said, for two weeks. But the Lord told us to move here, and what we need to do, he, he never even told me what it was. He said, we need to be in this country for two years. He said, and I told you all the story about my life, so you would know I'm qualified for many different types of work. He said, but I don't have the documentation to work in this country. And he said, uh, and we don't have enough money to survive here for two years. And then he looked at me. And inside, I didn't move my eyes, but inside I looked up. <laughs> and I said, Lord, wh why are you sending this man to me? <laughs> Do you want me to give him my $38? Because it's not going to get me to Dallas or to, to swamp people. And then the man looked at me, he said, he looked at me and interrupted my train going off the tracks. He interrupted and he said, but the Lord told me that you were starting a ministry. And so we have a little money saved, and the Lord said if we would give that to you, he would take care of us. I said, what? <laughs> and he repeated it. And it was at that time when he said, would traveler's checks be okay? I'm like, I accept any currency. <laughs> I mean... British pounds. Back then they didn't have the euro, you know. Daymark, yen. I'm with you, man. He said, 
he said, would traveler's checks be all right? I said, yes. I said, but let me ask you a question. Who told you about me? And he looked at me and said, the Lord did. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I, 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 was, I, was, I was very encouraging. I, I said, yeah, really? No, no, seriously. Who told you so that you knew I was starting to minister? Who told you all that stuff? And he got angry. He said, the Lord did. I said, well, that's wonderful. And then he counted out $250 in traveler's checks. I prayed over it. I prayed real good. And then he stood up and he walked away. I've never seen him before. I've never seen him since. I do remember his name. His, his family name is, is, it was, his, his family name was Friend. And he walks off. Somebody said, was it an angel with an accent? I don't know. I just had the cash. And so I was so grateful and I'm standing there, you know, with that, you know, when you read in the New Testament, it says, and they wondered and were amazed. I know what that looks like. Mouth hanging open. And then I saw some friends that I knew that were from another state. I walked over. I said, let me tell you what just happened. And I told them the story. And they said, yeah, the Lord spoke to us too. We're supposed to give you $100. And I stopped them because I'm very much, I want to know reality. I'm not, I'm not a hype person. I said, wait a minute. Did the Lord tell you or are you just being nice? Because if you're being nice, thank you. But you said the Lord told you. They said, no, the Lord told us. I said, that's wonderful. Thank you. They hand, uh, wrote a check for $100. I walked out and got in the car. Now, the night before, I couldn't sleep. If I'd have known by 12 o'clock the next day, I would have an additional $350 to go with my 38. I would have slept Friday night instead of going, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I drive home. I start up the steps. I smell beef stew. And Debbie that morning had gotten up. She had stayed home that day. She got up and she's like, da 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 da. She goes into the kitchen, da 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 da. Opens the freezer. Ah! The angels have come. Now she figured out real quick what had happened, but it was like, whoa! I talked to it on Thursday. It's filled on Saturday. Now, then. Before we left to go to Louisiana, which was like two days later, before we left to do that, we prayed, and, and the Lord spoke to us about who to, do, to give it to, a minister in town. We drove by their home. I knocked on the door as we were going out of town, because now we've got $338. But remember, it's seed time and harvest, right? We just had a beginning of a harvest come in. But you know what? There's always next season the seasons keep going. The Bible says it's on every wave, you know. Uh, and so went by, knocked on the door, minister didn't know I was coming. He opened the door. He said, oh, hey, I mean, you knew me, you know. I said, here, the Lord told us to give you this. Gave him $100. What were you doing? I was planting seed. And then we got in the car, we drove to Louisiana, and God began the most supernatural things and providing things for our life. And it's been an adventure ever since. Now, one side note, a few years later, I'm preaching in England tell that story. After the service, an Englishman comes up to me, and he said, 
The man that gave you the money. Where did you say he's from? I said, Scotland. Much greater miracle than you know. <laughs> I didn't say it, the English said it. Will you stand to your feet with me? Did you get anything good out of this? How many of you have seed planted? How many of you have, have harvest that needs to be harvested? Father, thank you for this people. Thank you for the harvest that they have hanging on the trees and growing on the vines. That's their harvest. Father, thank you for sparking that thought that comes from heaven in the hearts of so many of, may I be a seed planter. May I have things that are greater than just my ability to manage life. Thank you for supernatural help from heaven. And so, Father, I declare your blessing over this, your people. With your eyes closed, will you say it out loud? Heavenly Father, I speak to my harvest. Come to me in Jesus' name. I do believe you told the truth. You're my God who supplies all my need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus, who multiplies the seed that I sow. And I thank you for it, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.